0: My name is Pastor Nick Newman. I want to say welcome on behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here. We are honored that you chose to be with us, whether you're in person or you're tuning in online. We know this season is uh, an interesting one, to say the least. But if you are tuning in online with us today, we want to say welcome to you as well. This is a great time to share this message. And we're honored that you're here. Church, if you're in person with me, can you help me welcome our online church family? We love you. And we are here for you. And uh, I'm excited because we are in the second week of a series called System Reset. Turn to somebody and say reset. All right, half of y'all did that. See, here's the problem. We were, we were out of the habit for so long. Right, we we now that we're back in person, I gotta teach you. So here's here's how this works. When I'm teaching, I might ask you to do something, and the polite thing to do is to do it. So 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 if I ask you to turn to your neighbor and say something, you gonna say something. Or or here's here's one thing as well. This word became very popular in the last week. It's the word amen, and the, what that word means. Some of y'all laughing because you know I ain't gonna talk about it. But what the word amen means, if you translate it from Hebrew, is the it means. Let it be so, or so be it. And so when we're teaching God's Word and we're sharing God's Word, and you hear somebody say amen, what they're saying is, let that be so in my life. It may not be where I'm currently at, but that's a good word from God, and I want to receive that over my life. So I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to count to three, and then you're going to say amen, just so we're all on the same page. One, two, three. Amen. Come on, we're going to have a great morning. We're in week two of a series called System Reset, where you and I are hitting... The reset button. We want to make sure that as we go into 2021, we're not still carrying some leftover junk from 2020. And In week one of this series, we talked all about how we hit the reset button in our lives. and The way that we do that as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, is that we do it through prayer and fasting. There's some breakthrough that's available in your life, but the only way that it takes place is from you disconnecting with the world and really connecting with God. Choosing to be intentional and choosing to plug into the source of power that we have. And then this week, we're going to start, every year, you're going to see this same thing. You're going to be like, Pastor, this is what we did last year. I know. We've done it like the entire time we've been a church. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit week one, and we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. And then we're going to enter into four weeks where we unpack the four components of our vision. And here's the vision of our church. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And the reason why we talk about those four things so much is because for you to have a relationship with Jesus, for you to walk in this abundant life that he promises for you and I, we need to have those four elements and those four components in our life. We need to know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference. And so this week I'm going to talk about hitting the reset button in knowing God. And the reason why we need to hit the reset button is because a lot of us, maybe we grew up in the, in the South or we grew up in church. And we've got all of these ideas of what it means to really know God and to follow God. When we look at the truth of Scripture and what Jesus teaches us about what it means to know God, it's something totally different. I talk to people sometimes, and and, and I love the fact that some people grew up in church, but in all honesty, a lot of times it's easier for someone to know God who doesn't have a lot of church experience because they don't have to unlearn the mess that they learned for so many years. Following Jesus is actually way more simplistic than we tend to make it out to be. And so I want us to hit the reset button. I don't want us to walk in to this message with some preconceived ideas or some notions. We're going to hit the reset button about what we know about salvation and knowing God. And so if you have a Bible, go with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 1. And this is the story of a man named Zacchaeus. And I love this story so much. It says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus... Entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. He became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now if you grew up in church, you would have heard this little song that you used to sing in Sunday school. It goes a little something like this. Zacchaeus was a Wee little man and a wee little man was he, right? I do the hip-hop version. He climbed up in that sycamore, tree, right? But I can't give you more of the song because we haven't got to that part in the verse yet, right? So we're not going to get there yet. But the point is Zacchaeus is a very short man. So the the scene is set for us in Luke chapter 19 when we open the story. We find that Jesus is coming into town and it's great. People are excited. They're excited to see Jesus. He's got a packed out crowd. Everybody's showing up. The problem is Zacchaeus didn't get in line early enough to see Jesus. There's some crowds of people in front of him, and Zacchaeus is short. Now, the reason why Zacchaeus probably doesn't show up to see Jesus early, he's not getting in earlier on, is because Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and tax collectors are hated people in this time. I mean, a tax collector is like the IRS. They're still pretty much hated, right? right. Nobody really likes them. But the reason why Zacchaeus was hated in Scripture makes sure that we know that he had become very rich is because the way it worked for tax collectors back in that day is that they would get a numerical value from Rome. Rome would say, hey, we need you to pay this much in taxes. And then those tax collectors would go to the people and they would charge them four, five, seven times as much as Rome would charge them with the threat that if they didn't submit and they didn't pay that money, And they were going to send soldiers in to take it from them forcefully. And so the tax collectors of this time became rich from stealing from poor people. From people who didn't have enough already. So Zacchaeus has this big mansion and he's got this big, a lot of stuff. But he doesn't have the love of the people who are in his community. So he's not showing up early to any kind of event for fear of persecution. So Zacchaeus gets there late and he's got this problem. He's short. And no matter what he does and no matter what he tries to do, he can't see Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, here's what I want you to write. The first thing is this. Some of us are trying to see God, but can't. Some of us are trying to see God, but can't. See, in the, the reality of it is you and I were created by God for God. Scripture says that he has put eternity on our hearts from the very beginning. Meaning that whether we realize it or not, from the moment we're born, we are seeking after God. We are processing through what what created all of this. We're knowing that there is something out there that's bigger than us, but not really knowing how to find it. We're trying to see God, but we can't. And Zacchaeus has a problem. He's short. And that problem is our problem as well. The reason why we can't see God is that we come up short. But but here's, here's the danger. What most of us try and do when we realize we're short is Zacchaeus would have been in a really easy position to blame the crowd for his inability to see God. I wonder how many people, rather than seeing God or trying to see God, blame other Christians or other followers of Jesus for their inability to see God. So they're in the, there's a crowd and the crowd's going after Jesus, but Zacchaeus is stuck behind them and he can't see God. I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, Pastor, I quit coming to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. I was like, I know, I show up every week. <laughs> Come on, you didn't quit going to Walmart. There were hypocrites at Walmart too. There's still big people at your gym and you didn't quit going to the gym. Why, why do we let little excuses get in the way of us seeing God? That's not the problem. And the longer we make excuses, the longer we blame other Christians or other followers of Jesus for our inability to see God, the longer we never wrestle with the fact that we have a posture, a stature, we are short. And it's not anybody else's fault. It's nobody else's fault that Zacchaeus was born short. It's not even Zacchaeus' fault. He is a product of what he was born into. And Romans chapter 3, verse 23 puts it this way. For all, you can circle that word, highlight that word, underline that word, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Zacchaeus' problem, Zacchaeus' inability to see Jesus is the same problem that every single one of us have when it comes to our relationship with God. Because we fall short, we cannot see him. And because we fall short, oftentimes we look to other people or to blame other people for our own shortcomings. It's easy to blame church, it's easy to blame other people for the reason why we don't have a relationship with God. But the reality is, it's our own shortness at fault. I bet at some point, even in the journey as Zacchaeus, had the crowd standing in front of him. He was there and he would he would try and jump over people. You know, I, I would say you short people. No, I don't. I don't have that issue. <laughs> right. If you've ever been short, you, you try and see over people. And so you're jumping and Zacchaeus is leaping and trying everything he can to see God. That's exactly what religion teaches us to do yeah. is, hey, you fall short. But if you jump harder, if you try, if you do enough things, if you do this and that, then maybe you'll see God. But it, over and over, you keep coming up short. Sure. There's this crowd of people who are following Jesus, and I think some of us, if we're not careful, we settle for fading into the background of the crowd rather than actually seeing Jesus. It reminds me of a story. I was talking with a pastor a, a while back, and he was telling me about uh, right before COVID his last airport endeavor. And I used to fly a lot pre-COVID. I miss airports a lot. But in the airport one day, he got through TSA. And the first thing you do after you get through TSA is you go find something to eat. Or you go to a coffee shop. Right? So you he found this great coffee shop. He was in the Atlanta airport. If you need food recommendations, we'll talk later. Uh, it's, it's a great one. He's in a- Atlanta and he's at the airport. He's getting some coffee. He sits down. He's got plenty of time before his plane is supposed to leave but he chooses to get into some work and he kind of buried his head a little bit and he got really focused and he looks up and he realizes that he's got five minutes before his plane is supposed to take off so he does what you do you pick up all your stuff and you run as fast as you can to your gate the problem is when he gets to his gate they've closed the door to the plane already And when they close the door to the plane, he talks to the the lady at the counter and he says, Ma'am, I've been in the airport the whole time. Is there any way I can get on the plane? And she said, I'm so sorry. The plane is already leaving. You've missed your flight. See, just what he learned that day is that you can be in the airport and miss the plane. I think you can be in church and miss Christ. See, the purpose of an airport is to get you to the plane. And that's the whole mission of the church. The purpose of the church is to get you to Christ. And I would hate for you to find church but not find Christ. Because you can find church, you can be in the crowd and still not know God. You can come to church every week and you can do the good thing and you can check your box off and you can like other pastors and other churches and you can watch sermons all throughout. But if you find church and don't find Christ, at the end of it, you're still going to miss your plane. And what my hope is, is that not a single person misses their plane. And so that's why at the end of every single message we do here at Propel Church, I'm like that flight attendant that's at the gate going, hey, if there's anybody else who needs to get on this plane, hurry the heck up. Run as fast as you can. Get on this plane because life is not promised to you or to me tomorrow. And I would hate for you to be in the airport, to be in church, but miss Christ. Zacchaeus had a short problem. Let's go to verse 4. It says this in Luke chapter 19. So he ran and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he saw Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. The first time I read this story, Um, as an adult. So as a kid, I would hear the story and I thought it was just, it was awesome. Uh, The first time I read it as an adult, I wondered to myself, where the heck did he find a giant tree in the middle of this. Because every time you see this story depicted, there's these big, beautiful, like cobblestone roads. It looks like a very desert scene. It looks like they're in like a market space where there, there's all of these people around and there's all these vendors, and Jesus is kind of walking through the middle of two sides of a market. And all of a sudden, there's this tree. where does this tree come from? But you know what, as I was thinking about it, what I feel like the Lord was showing me, is long before Zacchaeus ever needed a tree to climb, God told somebody to plant a tree because he knew he needed it to be there. The purpose of the cross is to show you and I that long before we ever needed a Savior, God knew that we would need a Savior, so he chose to send Jesus to die on our behalf. So that when we realize that we can't see God and have to make a next step, have to do something with that information, the only thing that we can do is climb onto the tree of the cross. Because the only way that we truly see God is through the person of Jesus. Jesus comes and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's not an arrogant statement. It's not Jesus trying to puff up his chest. It's the best form of grace he can give you, which is truth to say that you can try and jump, you can try and climb, you can try and do all of these other things, but unless you cling to the cross, you will never see God. Unless you come through the person of Jesus, you and I will be stuck in our shortness you're taking notes write this down that religion teaches us to try but Jesus teaches us to trust religion teaches us to try but Jesus teaches us to trust the very first part in the first three verses says that Zacchaeus was trying to see God and I wonder how many of us are just trying to do church are just trying to check the box off. And I'm not saying any of it's wrong. I think a lot of us try in a lot of ways. And a lot of the things that you would do after knowing Jesus are the things you try to do to know Him. So once you're saved, once you realize that your salvation is based on Him and Him alone, you're going to do things. You're going to read your Bible. You're going to come to church. But those are not the things that save you. Look at what Ephesians 2, verse 8 says. That God saved you by his grace when? When you went to church? When you read your Bible? When you got plugged into a small group? When you served in church? When you preached your first sermon? No. When you believed. I wonder how many of us rewrite this verse in our own life. God saved me by his grace when I did, blank. And we insert some form of human effort. The gospel is not about human effort. It's about God intervention and our belief in the fact that when Jesus dies for us on the cross, when we place our hope in the tree that God planted on the hill of Calvary, that's all we need. And so when Jesus dies on the cross for you and for me, and he declares it is finished, his goal is not that we would have perfect church attendance. His goal is that our belief and our trust and our hope would be that he alone is enough to save us from our sin. I'm a big person. I know, I just shocked you, but... You know, every time I climb a tree, I have to do an assessment. Yeah, y'all know where this is going. Every time I climb a tree, here's my assessment. Can this thing hold my weight? (laughs) I'm a big dude, and those branches don't look all that big. And, And I know the tree looks like it should probably be able to support my weight, but I'm a little nervous that if I give the tree my full weight, it might cave. When's the last time you took an assessment of if you trusted the cross to carry the full weight of your sin? Because that tree doesn't just carry your weight, it carries the weight of the world. And Jesus bore it. And he chooses to do that for you and for me. That's the beauty of the gospel. Is that Jesus is teaching us to Trust to know that the cross can support the weight of our sin and make up for our shortcomings. And the good news is that we're not trusting in our own track record or in our own abilities. Because if you're anything like me, I, I, I don't trust my own abilities at all. I might have had 10 things I was going to start 2021, you know, doing, like New Year's resolutions. I've probably only got three left. I can't trust my own track record can't trust his. Because he was and is and is to come. He has always been faithful. And he's not going to change his stature now. So Zacchaeus is in a tree and Jesus is coming by. Let's go back to verse 5. Luke chapter 19. It says, when Jesus came by, he saw Zacchaeus and he called him by name. And he said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and. Took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased, saying, "He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner." What's interesting is when you're in a relationship with Jesus, that others may define you by your sin, but God calls you by name. So Jesus is walking by, and Zacchaeus's goal was to see Jesus. This is so interesting. Zacchaeus' goal was to see Jesus, but then Zacchaeus climbs the tree. And Scripture doesn't say Zacchaeus then saw Jesus. It says Jesus saw Zacchaeus. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and this was before the days of Facebook or Instagram or any of that. So Jesus wasn't looking at who all was going to be there. Zacchaeus, even if he was planning on being there, probably wouldn't have had his name on the roster. But Jesus goes, I know that guy. Hey, Zacchaeus. Hey, the guy that everybody hates. Hey, the the guy that everybody defines by his sin and his mess. The guy who comes up too short to be able to see. I know him. I know him by name. And for every person in this room, if you were in that tree today, Jesus calls you by name as well. He knows you and desires a personal relationship with you. He wants to be on a first-name basis. (laughs) That's what a relationship with Jesus is. It's not just you knowing God. It's God knowing you. Because if you just know God, you have great knowledge, but you don't have a relationship. And Jesus talks to us in Matthew What happens at the end of this race is that there are going to be many people who cry out, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. We knew a whole lot about you. And Jesus will respond, I never knew you. It's not enough to just know God. God needs to know you. And the way he does that is by you climbing onto the cross and holding on. Here's the third thing. It may be my last thing. I'm not super sure. A relationship with Jesus means that he gets to see my messy house. I think the danger for a lot of Christians, and the reason why American Christianity doesn't work, is because we accept Jesus in a moment, or we allow Jesus to change us within the confines of a church, but we leave him at church and we never take him home. This story is really interesting because Jesus comes through, and Zacchaeus is in the tree. He comes down. Jesus says, I must... Be a guest in your house today. I wonder if internally Zacchaeus was like, Jesus. um, Let me be real honest with you for a second. Uh, See, I got, you know, my girlfriend, she's at the house, and can you like give me five minutes? Because I probably got some stuff in my fridge, and there may be some stuff in my cabinet. You might see a few things on the counter. And if you scroll through my Netflix, like what I'm watching right now, you might not like super approve of it. And so if you can give me like five minutes, give me a little head start. I'm going to go to the house. You catch an Uber. I'll meet you there. It'd be great. Because really, Jesus, like I wanted to meet you today. Like that was my goal. I came to see you. I just didn't expect to take you home with me. And that's where we end up. We hear how much Jesus can do. We, we see how he's restoring and redeeming people's marriages. We see how he's setting people free from drug addictions. And we come into church and we go, man, I really wanted to see Jesus. I just didn't really expect to take him home with me today. But a relationship? It means Jesus gets to see your messy house. You know those close-knit relationships you've got where you just quit cleaning for your friends (laughs) you've got those friendships and you're like oh they're coming over it don't matter (laughs) they know how messed up it is they know my kids are crazy I ain't even go try and hide it from them anymore that's a relationship a relationship means that Jesus comes home with you, that he gets to see your mess before you have the time to clean it up because the gospel doesn't tell you and I that we have to clean up ourselves. You know what Scripture all the time calls us, fisher of men? That's, that's follower of Jesus, right? We're going to be fishers of men. It ain't our responsibility to clean the fish before we catch it. You catch the fish, then you clean it. Just because God wants a relationship with you, don't feel like you have to take the pressure or the responsibility to clean up your own junk because you can't. You got yourself into this mess. It's time to let God into your messy house. It's time to allow God into those parts that you were hiding. Jesus doesn't say, Zacchaeus, it's optional for you to, hey, Zacchaeus, would you mind if we scheduled a time for me to come over? He says, look, you really want to know what a relationship looks like? It looks like you and I having this conversation in this moment and I'm going home with you, period. Because the longer you keep Jesus out of your house, it's the longer you don't experience transformation and a relationship with him. The interesting thing is Jesus already knows your mess. It'd be one thing if he wasn't (laughs) all-knowing. Like if we could actually hide something from him, that would be cool. If we could hide something from God, then, then not letting Him in or not letting Him see your junk would be fine. But He knows everything. That's the story of the woman caught in uh, adult or the woman at the well in John chapter four. Jesus is having a conversation with her about living water. He's offering her what He's offering Zacchaeus: life change, hope, purpose. But this lady's not bringing all the information out onto the table. So Jesus says, "Do me a favor." Go and get your husband. She says, well, I do not have a husband. He says, you're right when you say you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. You are right in saying you do not have a husband. Well, okay. She stops and she says, you must be a prophet, right? Like, Whoa. Yeah, because God knew that your house was messy before he ever came and called you by name. Let him in. That's where life change happens, is when we stop covering up and hiding things, and we let Jesus into our house to clean the mess up with us. And as Jesus gets to Zacchaeus' house, Jesus doesn't go, Zacchaeus, let's talk for a second. You got these these magazines. I see your Netflix subscription. Like you got you got some stuff. Let's deal with it. Jesus' proximity to him begins to change something. Because when Zacchaeus gets back to the house of Jesus, this is what it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 8. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Here's why this is important. And this is kind of my goal every weekend. My goal is to not come in here and tell you just how jacked up you are. I think you already know. My goal is not to tell you all of the sin issues that you have telling you that you need to fix it. My goal is to help you get rid of all the junk that you have going on that keeps you from spending time with Jesus. Because if you spend time with Jesus, your heart begins to get in alignment with his heart. And the things that you need to get rid of just flow naturally. Zacchaeus, that's why some of us have such a hard time changing is because we're trying to force it rather than letting God lead it. So the longer and the more you can get around Jesus, the more stuff changes. Zacchaeus didn't need a ton of time. He got home and he realized that, man, hold up. At one point earlier today, I wasn't showing up this crowd early because I knew that there were people out there who looked down on me, who were mad at me because of what I did in my life. They labeled me, they called me a a notorious sinner. But but then I climbed this tree and, and Jesus saw me and he called me by name. Who am I that the creator of the world, that the Messiah would know me by name? And not only that, but then he wanted to go back to the house for some steak. That God? If that's the power that he has, if that's who he is, it's going to draw me to become more like him. So Zacchaeus says... Man, I messed up. I've been stealing from these people. I don't need all this money. We get stuck there sometimes, just accumulating wealth. I like, I, I believe in wealth. I believe in prosperity. I think it's biblical. We can have that conversation later. You can send me an email if you'd like. I believe in that because I think it's biblical but most of us don't need as much as we have we just don't steward what we've been given so Zacchaeus realizes I've got excess, I've got overflow I'm going to give it back so I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor and then if I've cheated people if I've done things that were dishonest I'm going to return to them four times as much and it's not to say that what you look when you look at your life and you realize the wrong things you've done that you're, you have to somehow pay it back that's not what this passage of Scripture is about at all. But what it is about is that if you'll let Jesus get into close proximity with you, if you'll let Jesus get into your house and you'll allow him to start speaking to you, if you'll allow him to start changing you from the inside out, it will change what you do on the outside. Don't fix the outside first. Fix the inside. Don't deal with your anger issue first. Deal with your heart. And as you deal with your heart, your anger issue just changes. So Zacchaeus lets him into the house. And then it says this as Zacchaeus and him were talking. Verse 9 and 10. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The true gospel is that you and I realize the fact that we come up short. Cling to the tree of the cross, knowing that there's no way we can see God without it. And allowing him to impact every single area of our life. Because the longer you keep God out of your house, the longer you miss out on a relationship with Him. And a relationship with Him is the only way that you board the plane and spend eternity with God. So this is my call. This is me at the gate saying, hey, today's that time. I'm glad you found church, but I want you to find Christ. I'd hate for you to tuck into the crowd and miss Christ. Today's the day where you accept that Jesus Christ alone is the full payment of your sin. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, maybe you're here and you'd say, Hey, Pastor, that's me. Today I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I need to accept the fact that Jesus Christ alone was enough to pay for my sins. And if that's you... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to boldly take a step, just like Zacchaeus did when he climbed that tree. I want you to make a move. And that move is to simply lift your hand and to say, that's me. I don't want to play church. I want to find Christ. Whether you're in person or online, if that's you, would you lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Come on. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.